All right. Hi, everybody. This is A7X Fan Ben, and this is Pirate CSG podcast number 46. And we have a very special guest today because I'm going to talk with Tony Vigil, uh, screen name Piranha, who was the original rules arbitrator before Wolf took over. How are you tonight? Good. How are you doing? Great. Very exciting. So how did you uh, get your start in Pirate CSG? Like, what's your origin wow. story with it? So uh, how I got involved with Pirates uh, was I pushed myself into WizKids by way of Crimson Skies. Um, so it's kind of a, a long story. I was uh, I went into a game store. I found a game on the shelf called Crimson Skies by FASA, and it looked really cool. So I thought, I wanted to get into this, but it was already a dead game. And somehow I managed to find a link uh, in the very early days of uh, the forums. They, they have two sets of forums at WizKids, or they used to anyways. One of them was for developers and one was for the public. And I came across uh, a forum posting about Crimson Skies. And I thought, oh. Okay, so this new company must be doing it. I didn't know that it was Jordan Weissman. I didn't know anything about WizKids, really. I mean, I had played around with um, Mage Knight a little bit. Uh, uh, Hero Clicks wasn't my thing. But uh, I thought it was an interesting uh, thing that they were getting ready to, they're working on um, doing some play test stuff. So I called them. I just called WizKids and asked to speak to Jordan Weissman. And the lovely woman on the phone asked me who I was and what it was about. She put me on hold and then Jordan popped on and we talked a little bit. And he said, how did you find out about Crimson Skies? And I said, well, it's in your forums. And he says, well, not the public forums. So I had kind of found something that wasn't supposed to be made public. Wow. So we talked a little bit more and uh, he asked me if I'd be interested in playtesting and uh, because I was, I had just had so much enthusiasm for it. So uh, I thought, oh, this is cool. You know, I, I, I get to play test one of these new games that's not out yet. And so I started that way. That's how I got into doing stuff uh, with with um, WizKids. I worked on uh, play testing with Crimson Skies, and then they brought me into the group for Wiz uh, for uh, Mech Warrior. And then um, I was asked to. Uh, well, I guess I had made a lot of noise in the in the pirates forums too, because I was doing a lot of the playtesting for that long before it was out as well. And um, they asked me to uh, if I'd like to be the rules arbitrator, since I seemed to know, you know, a lot of the ins and outs of how that stuff worked. And that's kind of how that came about. <clears throat> and I, I had a great working relationship with Mike Mulvihill, who was the lead designer. You know, anytime questions would come up, we'd. Uh, go back and forth on so i was kind of uh more or less uh you know the interface between him and the and the player base yeah. so it was a lot of fun it was a very cool job very nice that's really cool so this was so you probably joined with kids around 2003 or at least some year before oh. pirates Pro no probably 2001 nice. 2002 something like that yeah i i well let's see i'd be after 2001 um I'm trying to remember where I was living at the time. I think I was already living with my wife. Um, so, yeah, it kind of took up a lot more time than my wife would have liked. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I had a real passion for it. So she seemed to think that, you know, well, it, I'm not doing anything bad. 
So it was a good thing. So uh, yeah. No, but I really enjoyed the community. It was a, it was a fantastic community. As anybody from back then can tell you, Wolf or anybody else, uh, it was a great community to be a part of. Yep. Awesome. That's great to hear. And that's continued because even today we get almost no trolls or spamming and stuff like that. So the community today is still really healthy and somewhat vibrant. Um, obviously not as big as it used to be with the game going you know, to print a while back, but it's still it's you, still a pretty great community to be in. Definitely. <laughs> When you contacted me back in, I guess it was August yep. or July, uh, I was shocked that there was still um, there's still an ongoing concern. And, it, and it's still, I'm, I'm really kind of baffled as to why they don't continue producing it. If I own a game store now, um, and when I first had my game store, I could sell so much product because it was such an easy sell, and I was really good at teaching it. And, um, you know, it was an easy product for me to get. And then all of a sudden it kind of shriveled up and disappeared. And that was around 2008, 2009, 2010 is finally when we just couldn't get any more of it. Yeah. But um, I would buy as much as I could. And I could, I could sell through it like quick, very easily. Nice. That's really awesome to hear. Where did so the, glad you... That... yeah, you go. I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. Okay. I, I, no, I was saying, I, I'm so glad there are people like you that still keep things like this going. So thank you. Yep. Yeah. And thank you for being on the podcast voluntarily. It's awesome yeah, to talk to people from the from the origin days, basically. It's really awesome to hear that perspective. Uh, where cool. did the username Piranha come from, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, um, I, I've used that on a lot of different things, but uh, I just, <clears throat> I like, I, I had this little drawing of a piranha fish that I, uh, it was easy for me to draw and it, it became kind of like uh I don't want to say I was like a, a yeah, I'm not a graffiti artist or anything like that, but it was like my little tag sort of. It was an easy little fish that I drew, and I I, would, I, I used that picture as my picture in the forums too. Um, I don't really know why I came up with that. I think I just drew it one day, and I thought, oh yeah, that's kind of cool. And I figured piranhas have to do with water, and you know, seemed right for a piratey theme sort of. Um, I think for a while it was called Captain Piranha, but uh, I can't remember for sure. Wolf could tell you maybe better than i could at that point at this point uh-huh. I, I, I just don't remember i don't remember much from back then anymore yeah that's all uh, good yeah i mean i still remember a lot of the fun stuff i mean going to the conventions and meeting everybody that was awesome that was the probably the best part of doing that yeah. is meeting the people in, in person at the conventions and getting to play with them and run events for them um you know I, i've met a lot of great people through that experience and i still have a lot of friends through it that's awesome. Yeah, that's what Mike Selinger talked about. He talked about how hearing from the fans and how amazed they were was one of the best parts of it, one of his best memories of the game. Yeah. Yeah, Piranha is a cool name. I think it would be a good name for a ship. There aren't any ships in the game. There wasn't. Now, but... I mean, we talked about it, and yep. I don't know. I uh, I don't know. I don't remember why we never did. You know, they asked me if I wanted to at one point. I thought, oh, it would be cool. I just didn't really um, – maybe – <sighs> it's such a long time ago. I think I was supposed to come up with the stats for it, and I just couldn't come up with it. Yeah. So I thought, eh, you know, it's not that big a deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm thinking, but it would have been cool. I mean, yeah. I'd still have that tip if I did. I, I guarantee you I would have a copy of it if it, if it existed. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I, it seems like it would be like a like a feisty two-masted schooner with good speed yeah. or something, good cannons. Yeah, yeah that, that would make sense. Yeah, something like that. Even, I don't know, I, I'd even take a one one mass sloop kind of thing. That would be cool. Yeah, Just, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Nice. 
So how did the rules arbitrator position come into existence in the first place? Um, well, there, there were rules arbitrators for all the different games. Yep. Uh, and actually, I don't, to be honest, I don't even know if they came about before I uh, was brought on board or not. But um, when I was brought on board, I, I did manage to uh, become friends with the other rules arbitrators uh so when we go to conventions um you know we would often hang out together we were there were five levels of uh envoys and rules arbitrators were at the top those were the level five envoys and there were level fours those are the guys who go to all the conventions and they sort of manage over all the threes twos and ones and you have the threes who might be like a regional statewide area twos would be more like um you know, the stores within 100-mile radius. And then you had the level ones, which were only at individual stores. So, um, you know, I knew I knew the other rules arbitrators through that process. And I don't know how it came about, really, as uh, other than they just asked me if I was interested in, in doing that. Yep. Awesome. <clears throat> of course, I'm going to say yes. It was awesome. It was <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's really cool. You know, having input was... Uh, you know, it, it, I, at first I was really thinking it was going to be just uh, a mouthpiece for the public to say, hey, Mike, uh, they want to know about this ship and this rule. And then he would answer it. Right? But it didn't it turned out to be what much more in depth than that. It would be more about having um, a couple one hour discussions every week about what's going on in the community, what ships two people like, uh, what rules need to be changed. Um, I had to kind of shrink down the rules to fit within that stupid little rule book. Oh, yeah. So, you know, yeah. wording, you know, I never realized how much wording matters until you have to put it into a format that everybody can print or, or that, you know, they can make viable um, cost-wise. You have to fit it within so many pages. And, you know, that text in the, that print was really tiny, but you still, you have to... Uh, condense everything down to the fewest words possible, but still have it say what it really means. Yep. So that's kind of what the rules arbitrator job was uh -huh. uh, at that point. Um, you know, it was really about fine tuning those things. Uh, a good example is uh, the, um, the oarsman. Yep. <clears throat> the oarsman, oarsman has no cost. And uh, they don't take any space on your ship. So hypothetically, you could have a billion of them. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's kind of strange to think about that now that that was actually a problem. You know, when you play test things and everybody behaves, um, you know, nobody. Why would you take a whole bunch of warsmen? Well, if you have uh, I can't remember the name of the um, the pirate captain who could throw them overboard. Yeah. Captain Yep. Blackheart. He could uh, he could throw people overboard, and so people would come with a whole big stack of uh, oarsmen and him. Yep. And put him on an English ship with a couple other guys to make the ship go like L plus L plus L plus S plus S plus S <laughs> and fire umpteen number of times and just keep doing things because he had unlimited oarsmen. Yep. So at some point, you have to start putting little uh, simplification, rule simplifications to make sure that everybody understands, like, well, you're limited to one of each or whatever the, the case might be. But yeah. yet that, all that still has to fit in that same little book. So you have to start paring down all that other stuff. 
and that kind of got thrown to me in a way, like, not in a bad way. I mean, I'm, I would, but I was kind of shocked that uh, so much of that was coming my way because this wasn't like, um, not like I was an employee getting a paycheck or anything. Um, it was more uh, out of love of the game that I was doing it. Okay, um, interesting. Yep. So, uh, you know, the, to, to give that much um, responsibility to someone, I, I think this shows a lot of respect for their community. Yeah, absolutely. That's interesting. So Oarsman <coughs> used to be free, like they costed zero points? Yep. Interesting. Yeah, because eventually they got changed to one for the game, which I think mm-hmm. is good. So they wouldn't be yeah. unlimited. But yeah, interesting. Yeah, they, they used to be free, and they, you know, there's a lot of other little things that, uh, you know, you think back. I, I don't know if you know what the rule come about is. I remember that one. Yep, from the original. You do remember sets. that, okay? Yeah. Uh, well, that came about because that that rule came into place because we used playing cards to test the game. Okay. And you couldn't very well travel through the card. You know the. the we didn't think of it in terms of the shape of the ship that you couldn't travel through, but rather you couldn't travel through a card. So you had to have some way to turn the ship around. Yeah. Yeah. That makes and sense. That, that became absolutely useless once you had a 3d model. Yeah. 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 yeah I remember that, when that, they, that, they talked about how that was uh, eliminated. That rule be, got eliminated. So, yeah. 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 It was kind of, I, I remember when it got eliminated, where I was, you know, they asked me what I thought it was. It's, it's an absolutely useless rule. Nobody will ever use it for any reason. I came up with scenarios, dumb as they may be, where you might have to do it. Like if, for whatever reason, you were parked in an and I took two ships and parked them on either side of your ship, then you yep. couldn't move. Yeah, I've had but that. But then exactly you could argue like, well, how does the ship rotate 180 degrees in between that space? So I mean, it didn't matter anyways. Yeah. So, uh, I, yeah, actually, I mean, there were. Yeah, that's funny because I've had that exact same thing happen in a game. I had a five master in a game in like 2014 i think and she had two ships ram either side of her bow and then there was another off to the side so i, I actually asked wolf in the rules thread um at that time how to play mm-hmm. it so but yeah the the turning arcs actually are quite lenient so that made the yeah. rule pretty irrelevant for the most part yeah but i mean there were ways to trap ships in, in that you know with two little ships if you wanted to i just never found it to be a viable strategy necessarily yeah, especially sure prob- somebody could come up with something because you guys are awful smart at coming up with things that befuddle the rules uh, people. Uh, <laughs> it, it happens so often that it just always amazed me yep. how often things would come up and you go, what? Why? Why would you even think to do that? <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> they're the weirdest things. I can't even think of anything really offhand. I just remember that horrible scenario of one of the first uh events we had at a gen con or origins i don't remember which one uh somebody had like i said a big old stack of oarsmen and uh i had to change the rules that weekend to to make it work because it was just so stupidly broken and it's, it wasn't one person who brought it because it was brought up in the forums a lot of people had that same build wow and it was everybody was kind of like mad at everybody else like oh that's stupid well no, you brought the same thing so yeah but i, I was gonna win and you know so i had to i had to change things on the spot kind of oh but, man. Uh, yeah that's yeah funny. there's some funny things that happen i mean you know it's, you can play test a game to death and there's always going to be somebody who's going to break it yeah 
That's exactly what Wolf has talked about, too. I remember him talking about how power gamers will always find a way to exploit the exploitable parts of the rules. And that's exactly right. what happened every set, basically. <laughs> every set. It doesn't matter. You think you have it locked airtight and, you know, you kind of sign off and they go, yeah, everything looks good to me. I don't think there's any problems. And then day one, people have all kinds of things that just blow your mind that that's even an issue. Yeah. And I will say more often than not, it has to do with wording. Not so much that the rule's bad, but the wording has too much leeway. And so the rules lawyers can read into it certain ways and you can't argue, you know, you can argue that, you know, their, their interpretation is wrong, but you can't fault them for being able to make that argument. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I've had you know, the same, I've almost had not arguments with Wolf, but I've kind of, there are things still today in the pirate code that I disagree with somewhat really? or there's like, like what? well, there's like loopholes and things like that, that like, based on the wording, some things are legal that I don't think should be, or sometimes really? things are, like, overly fair um, that make the game a little bit less fun. Not, like, the broken yeah. stuff, but um, one main thing is, like, there's this weird explorer loophole where if you have a helmsman and explorer, and you use both uh, to dock at a wild island and explore it with the explorer crew, there's a weird, there's, like, the free crew transfer allows you to switch the crew out on the island yeah. to dump the explorer and then take an extra coin, which seems mm -hmm. to contradict the rule that you can't uh, dump an explorer when you're using its ability uh, to take the extra coin. So it's kind of, there's like a loophole. That's one of my least favorite ones, but yeah. anyway, it's kind of just gaming. I, I, I vaguely remember that one. I don't even remember uh, some things that they're, they're just hard to fix. Yeah. Um, not going to please. That, that, here's the thing. You can't please everybody. Yep. Yeah. You fix it for one person, and someone else will break it a whole different way, so it really doesn't matter. Exactly. Uh, I, at one point in time, uh, we were going to work on an advanced set of rules for pirates that was going to have more realistic battles, uh, more realistic movement, uh, much thicker rule book. And it was, it was something... I, I'm sure I can talk about this now. At the time, I couldn't say anything when I was there, but... Um, Steve Jackson was going to be involved with it. And so I was going to get to work directly with Steve Jackson and Mike Bulvahill to create this game. And I was so excited because, uh, you know, pirates kind of came out of um, a little bit anyways, if not completely out of evil Stevie's pirate game that used to take place at the um, conventions for many, many years. Um he would he would do a pirates game, basically the same thing, but in bigger form with big um, Lego ships. Yep. <clears throat> anyway, uh, long story short, uh, I killed it because I I thought about it and I realized, you know, this is a beer and pretzels game, and no matter what we do, no matter what rule set we come up with, we're just going to have the headache of all the people who nitpick at rules and complain about this, that, or the other, and also break the rules. Um, or, you know, bend them to their will. And I I voiced my opinion about that, and everybody in the phone calls, like, yeah, you're probably right. Let's just not do it. Ah, uh, oh, shoot, I screwed myself over. Interesting. Yeah, that's really fascinating. It reminds me of what you messaged me on Facebook about, too, which we can get into later if you want. Sure, sure. Very interesting. Um. Okay, so other than Mike Mulvihill, which uh, WizKids employees did you work directly with? If yeah, uh, 
There were a couple others. I, 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 as I told you before, we started this. I can't remember their names. I can picture them. Uh, one of them, uh, Wolf would remember him probably. Was a, uh, he used to do the uh, hero, uh, not hero escaper. Um, uh, there, there was a clicks web page for hero clicks. Yep. He owned that. Uh, I, oh. I just can't remember. Goddard, Matthew Goddard. Okay. I worked, uh, you know, he was kind of like one of the people who uh, was like a lead uh, in play testing and rules creation uh, for a long time. He, he worked on Mech Warrior and Crimson Skies. I think he was the lead designer in Crimson Skies, if I'm not mistaken. I might be wrong about that. Um, and uh, Kelly Benia. Yep. Uh, there were a few others that I, I their their names are going to come to me right after I get off this call. I'm yeah, I know sure. how you feel. Yep. Yeah, but I mean, like I said, there are so many fond people, uh, uh, fond memories of people that were there all the time. Um, Ray was always there. I, I can't remember his last name. I think he's uh, either. I, I'm not sure if he's a cousin or an uncle to um, Ray Weir. He, he's related to um, Jordan. I just don't know exactly how. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway. Yeah. He's a nice guy. I mean, they were all really nice people. It was yep. just a really fun to be part of that group. Uh-huh. Very nice. What is your favorite rule in Pirate CSG? Oh. If you have favorite one. Favorite rule? Uh, I, boy, I don't know if I could come up with a, a rule that's my favorite. I can think of... Uh, once that we fixed or nerfed, I suppose we yeah. talked about the um, the oarsmen. Um, I, I I think I just I, I really like the idea that uh, you know those um, the characters have the special ability and they're like one per ship kind of thing. Uh-huh. Uh, they it, that's probably my favorite rule that and and that was something that was not originally in in the rules themselves. Uh, I I added that. Um, that there was only one per ship because there were so many ways to break things with extra oarsmen and extra, uh, all the different ways. I mean, there's so many ways to, to really, really unbalance a ship. That so you I, mean, I, I just, yeah. Like it. yeah, that makes sense. So you mean the links then probably, right? Like linked yeah. crew and ships. Yep. Okay, cool. Right. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you have a least favorite rule that you remember? Even if it was, next? That, thing, that was always, yeah. that was always uh, I just hated that thing. Uh, I never, I, I would hate it so much. I wouldn't use it even if I had to. I just like, <laughs> I can't move. Yep. <laughs> I, just, I just thought it was dumb. It yeah. was the dumbest rule ever. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I understood why it was there. I just didn't like it. And, um, you know, I was glad to get rid of it. Yep. Yeah. In the past, I've only used the Explorer loophole that I talked about only in like competitive games. Cause I don't, I don't really sure. use it in casual games, stuff like that. Um, also like tournaments and things of that nature. But mm-hmm. did you have any ideas for the game that got implemented, like ships, crew, or treasure, or like rules, as you really. said? No, I was more focused on making sure the rules were sound and um, you know get rid of any of the ambiguity that that was out there, or try to anyways. It's very hard, um, yep. but you do the best you can with what you have. Like I said, you're not going to please everybody. And there were, I'm, I'm sure Wolf would probably remember some of these people. There, there were a few people who gave us grief on a regular basis, and I would be as nice as I could. And I never, I think I banned one person 
in the whole time I did this, I think there's only one person I, I just booted out of the group because it, it was so toxic. But um, in general, uh, you know, you're, like I said, you're always going to have people who really push the bounds, the boundaries of all these things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So when did you, um, when did you stop being the rules arbitrator when Wolf came along? Um, uh, well, Wolf, Wolf had been in, the, uh, you know, part of the community, big part of the community for yep. a long time. Um, I don't remember. I was thinking about that this evening. Um, I can't remember whether I stepped down on my own or if it was more of a things that run their course kind of deal um, for both. I don't remember, to be honest. I feel like I stepped down. Yep. Uh, I might be wrong about that at this point. But that sounds, I was asked, yeah, that sounds familiar from what Wolf has said, I think. What, that, uh, that I was pushed out or stepped down? No, stepped down. I think yeah, it was vague I, I about think it. I stepped but, yeah. down. I, 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 it might have just been that, you know, I, I, from, I don't remember what year it was. What, what year did Wolf say he took over? Uh, I can't remember. Um, I think it was 2006 or 2007. Um, okay. We actually lost. So I would have been. Yeah. I would have been married for a couple of years at that point. I was probably more um, focused on, you know, my family as opposed to all these extracurricular things. Yeah, possibly. Whatever way it happened, I don't. It was on good terms. That's all I can tell you. Um, yeah. <laughs> and they asked me who I thought should take over or who would be a good candidate, and I had only one person in mind, and that was Wolf. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. So, you know, that was, uh, I pretty much got to name a successor and I asked him if you want to do it. And he goes, yeah. So good fit. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, that's perfect fit, without a doubt. And yeah, he has said about how he, Wolf was in the, he was into the game since the very start. He's always been a, a gamer and a board gamer his whole life. So indeed. Yeah. What do I, you think? I, oh, no, you go ahead. I, I was going to say, I don't, I don't even, I'm not even a hundred percent sure I ever actually met him in person at one of the conventions. Um, if I did, I'm sorry, Wolf, that I forgot. And if I didn't, I'd still love to meet you at some point. Um, you know, whenever that ever happens, that'd be cool. Yep. Awesome. What do you think is the hardest thing to understand about the pirate CSG rules? Oh, gosh. I don't, there's so little that is hard to understand. It's so simple. Yep. Um, maybe, maybe the hardest thing to understand is how the L and the S were. I mean, well, I think it's easy to understand, but I, I remember, you know, having to show people how that works. And, and I think what a lot of people had problems with, at least when I ran events in my store, um, was understanding that it didn't matter what order they came in. Um, you know, if it's L plus L plus S, you could do the S first and then the two L's or whatever. But um, I don't know. I, I Maybe maybe the maybe the uh, cannon firing and, and losing mass, that might be the thing that actually uh, confused people. Yeah. Yeah. I've had people wonder they sometimes they've wondered if they have to draw a line of fire to the opponent's mass where it's just right. where it's actually any part on their ship. So any part of the ship. Correct. Yeah. Um, oh, well, I, I, I can tell you right now, the thing that always came up um, without a doubt with every new player is what that die on the mast meant yes <laughs> is is that what i'm firing or is that what you need to hit yeah and do you need to hit that or higher or is it higher than that or lower yeah. 
you know, those kind of questions. <laughs> exactly. That comes up, and right now, I I could probably answer it and be 50-50 sure that I'm right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so one of the, the yeah. Yeah, some of the basics, even around the actions, are another um, point for new, for new players, at least, that I've taught. Yeah. Um, like, the distinction between moving and exploring, where... Um, Sometimes they don't understand that you need an explorer to move and then explore an island on the same turn. Sometimes they right. want to do it without the explorer, or they're not sure when they can explore versus when they can't, things like that. But I So I, you have to refresh my memory. The explorer allowed you to do it on the same turn, correct? Exactly, yep. But you could do an explorer if you're already there. Yeah, exactly, yep. Okay. It's coming back to me. Yep, yeah. Now i got to go buy some. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's still, there's still a bunch out there on eBay and uh, some other sites too. So yeah, it's actually pretty, uh, I think you can buy them for like $5 a pack on eBay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some of them are terrible. Cheap. Yeah. Some of them are, that's a fun one. That's a fun topic to get into, but yeah, the market has <laughs> become more expensive over the past like three to four years. Um, it's, I was, yeah. I was very happy to collect a lot from 2011 to 2014 when I would get ships for, less than a dollar a piece very often some packs were like one or two dollars each um nowadays wow. usually that's awesome. more yeah it depreciated in value a bit and now it's it's actually come back up even as the community has very slowly shrunk um this this past decade basically and nowadays some of the sets have appreciated in value quite a lot so south china seas packs sometimes auction for like eight dollars a pack or more so wow. so that one is that's, that's the rarest set of course so yeah but yeah yeah, uh, I, I wish we, I, I don't know why they don't print. I, I mean, I know why they don't print it. And this is something that comes up in our story all the time for all games. You know, why a game gets canceled. Um, it just comes down to bean counters. The guys who look at the money, They if it doesn't make a certain amount of profit, then they can't do it. Yep. But I, I you know, I, I have a hard time believing that um, there was a downturn in popularity you know, that's not what happened. I think maybe it just got more expensive for them to make them. That's exactly what I've heard, too. Yeah, and that's yeah. what um, that's what Tiffany O'Brien talked about on the podcast this past summer. Oh, yeah, I forgot, forgot about Tiffany. Yeah, yeah, Tiffany was on, and she talked about how um, the demand was still strong through the final sets, even as there was a reverse power creep. So, like, the game pieces yeah. weren't as good for gameplay in the final sets, especially, like, Fire and Steel, but there yeah. was still demand there. And, uh, and yeah, the financial crisis hit 2008 and then WizKids same year pulled it up. Yeah. So, so that was a huge event, obviously. Yeah. And I, I, I foolishly opened a store in 2008. <laughs> Is that so. the one you're still running though? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. Well, we, there you we go. Pushed through it. We pushed through it. Yeah. That's awesome. And, uh, 2011 was our worst year and that's around the same time that we could, we stopped, um, there was a shortage for us from our distributors. They ran out and they weren't, you know, they weren't getting any more. So I couldn't get it. And, uh, you know, it, that makes it difficult. Absolutely. Yep. Do you remember the hardest rules question you had to answer? <laughs> not, not the actual rule. I can still vaguely imagine the conversation in my head. And what a headache it gave me, but I couldn't recall it offhand. Yeah. Um, that, again, it was probably one of those two or three troublemakers who, uh, <laughs> you know, I, it, I don't think it was the one I banned, but um, it was certainly an ongoing conversation. I wouldn't even call it an argument, really. And it wasn't even 
I never felt like I had the ironclad, you know, the, what I say goes kind of thing. Okay. Uh, Cause you know, I listened to the community and, uh, if it made more sense to do what everybody wanted, then that's what would happen. But most of the time things got solved pretty quick and easy. And part of that might just be because I was so immersed in it. Um, you know, I, I would spend, oh, at least two hours a day playing at work. Nice. I shouldn't have been, but, you know, <laughs> that was something we, we always had out on the table to play. You know, it was always fun. That is awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could work there. That'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, I mean, when I had the store, I couldn't do it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, when I had a, a regular, real job, um, we had a lot of downtime at one of my uh, the locations I worked at. I worked at the Naval Base as a contractor and um when things were slow we'd go yeah let's go play a few rounds of pirates yeah and we do that is awesome <laughs> yeah some of the hardest rules i've i've i'm actually i might qualify as one of those troublemakers nowadays because i've probably asked wolf <laughs> more rules questions since i got into the online community in 2011 since anybody else i would yeah. say for sure and some of them i mean you can't stump him because he knows the game so well but yeah. there are some where he said that he some of the questions I've asked him probably like three or five or over the years, he said he, he doesn't recall ever being asked like certain really weird specific questions that like the craziest ones are the ones that relate super specific game pieces to each other, like a specific sea monster, how it interacts yeah. with like abandoned crew, the unique treasure, stuff like that. Just mm-hmm. totally. Oh hard. yeah. Do they go overboard? Or, yeah. I, <laughs> there, there are, yeah, there are things that, um, uh, I think I've probably come across everything possible yeah. in my tenure, but, uh, you know, it's hard to say. I, I'm not sure what happened after I left. I kind of dropped out of the whole scene, the whole forum scene and everything. Um, yeah. it was kind of a bittersweet thing for me. I, it's not like I didn't want to be there. I just, uh, you get busy with other parts of your life and things kind of have to fall up to the wayside somewhat. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Yep. Yeah, Wolf has, actually, Wolf has actually up, up kept the uh, pirate code uh, quite well. He actually did an update in December 2016, which is the latest nice. version of it. Um, and I think part of the reason for that was because of the questions I had asked that like came up that hadn't come up before, so we had to add stuff to it. So it's at, so has, uh, it's at 64. Has he added any rules? Um, not adding rules, just clarifying existing ones. So. Okay. Yeah, nothing. I mean, nothing's been added since Savage Shores came out in yeah. uh, 2008, November 08. So, yeah. right. At least it can't be official because WizKids isn't. Well, of course you know, not. But I mean, you know, a lot of communities they they continue with like a living rules. Yeah. And add to it and subtract from it or whatever. Absolutely. Uh, now I've talked to you about the RPG that came out of it. Yeah. Uh, for our uh, players in my store, and um, I I really after so many years of uh thinking oh yeah i should do that you know i've started to write it down so i will be sending you a copy of that as soon as i can get it uh you know kind of formalized but yeah. better than it is um but a lot of the things we did there i wish were part of the spanish main pirates of the spanish main um rule set uh i won't get into specifics here but um you know it made the game far more interesting yeah. Uh, well, as an example, so um, if you wanted to fire on my ship, it wasn't just a matter of you being close enough. You had to roll a die to see if you could spot my ship, and it had to do with the number of masts. Um, 
that a ship had originally. So a five-mast ship is easier to spot than a one-mast ship. And you had to roll, I, I, I guess you had to roll uh, that number or less. I think that's what it was, to spot it. And you had to be, had to be within range. <clears throat> but if you didn't spot me, then you couldn't shoot at me. Yep. Yeah, that does make so sense. It, it, yep. it, it made the game more um, more interesting. I mean, there were times where, uh, you know, you would just get beat down by a big ship for no, no other reason than it just was worth way more points than yours, and it could just really fast come up there and, and hit you. And you're like, well, this is hardly fair. Um, but the, what we were doing with so many players and so many ships on the board, it, I had to do something to um, kind of streamline that in, this, in a way that made sense for everybody so that it wasn't just... Uh, uh, I, I don't really know what how else I can really put it. It just... It, it, uh, it made the game more strategic and it gave you chances to get away without losing mass possibly. Yeah. Very interesting. You know? and, so, and so the stories you could tell were really cool, you know, like, Oh yeah. You know, the big five mass ship came, came up. We saw it. Cause I, I mean, I could, if you roll the spot, my ship, I can roll the spot yours. Yep. And if I don't spot you, you get first shot at me without, you know, the, we, we did, um, simultaneous, um cannon shots yep. so it's not that you shot at me and i lost mast and then i shot back with what was remaining we both rolled all our dice and then removed um mast yep absolutely yeah that's one of the house rules people have talked about simultaneous fire yeah. along with return yeah. fire of course yeah there's a ton right. of house rules yeah and that's that's all that's you know a lot of house rules we used in in our um in our big table rpg version and that, that was one of them Yep. Awesome. Yeah, I've come up with my own basic rules that changes a little bit of uh, the original, you know, full complete game rules of Pirate CSG. And then I've mm -hmm. played a bunch of huge campaign games where there's resources and like different rules and things like that and extra rules for colonies and, and whatnot yeah. and like combat rules that make, that make the game more realistic. Like you need two hits to eliminate every mass, things like that. So I've played mm -hmm. around with a lot of house rules and it does make the game better almost always as long as you use the right ones of course but that's not yeah. hard to figure out you know another really cool rule is to have ports that are only friendly to certain factions yep so if you're not friendly with it um we we just used uh cannon fire to uh if you rolled enough hits then um you could fake your way in sort of <laughs> which then then became you know you you could you could be disguised basically yeah so you get to use that port and you you get to fix your ship and buy other other stuff, you know, more uh, crew members or buy another ship. You could only do that in these ports. Um, so we had some really cool stuff. Absolutely. And like I said, I, I really want to put that into writing in a way that, uh, well, it can be, you know, it's clearly, you know, came out as Pirates of the Spanish Pain, but it doesn't have to be be that at all. At, 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 but in the in the long run we were using the pieces to play something completely different. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Things get adapted over time and things change. Yeah. That does sound familiar so, to uh, some of the stuff I've used in different house rule sets, uh, like military and trading ports, something right. like that. And then for, for those, or at least for the trading port, um, you could dock and trade more effectively if you had the parley keyword on your ship, which came out oh, with nice. the Pirates of the Caribbean set. So that was yeah. a cool way to introduce like a house rule that combines the existing abilities. So 
I love that. That's yeah, one of my favorite things about the game. It's just the possibilities are just endless. And I've created yeah. a rule set that's like really intense with like government and things like that with the help of Derek's, of course, one of the other most passionate members of the community. So it's just, it's a crazy how, how far the rabbit hole goes, basically. <laughs> it's awesome. So here's, a, here's another thing you can add to your house rules. Um, use a, a set of playing cards to give each ship um, an initiative. Yep, I think I've heard of that. Yeah. So uh, I have a, and, and this was totally by happenstance. I just happened to pick a piratey deck of, it was called a Peg Leg Pete, I think. It, it, you can get it from a company called, Ooh, I can't remember. I, I'm going to send you the link to the company though, where you can buy this deck at. It's an awesome deck of cards. It comes with four jokers that are, they're not jokers, they're uh, sea monsters. Nice. But they're the jokers of the deck. Um, and they're very, it's a very cool design to the uh, faces and everything. So as I told you before, we had, you know, anywhere between eight and 16 players on any given weekend that wanted to play pirates and they wanted to play a big game. And I had no way of really controlling it outside of doing something with initiative so that I could just get people going in order um, without just going around the table. So I started, I just grabbed that deck, shuffled it, and I started giving everybody cards. And I said, we're going to go high to low, ace is high, uh, or ace you could pick whenever you want to go, uh, but everybody's go high to low. And then somebody said, oh, I got a sea monster. And I thought, oh, crap, I left the jokers in there. And then I said, oh, well, you have to fight a sea monster. I just put a sea monster uh right next to his ship and he had to deal with that that was what he had to do on his turn yeah uh and then somebody said well you know does it so that has something what does the king do and it just real quickly i said oh well that's the queen uh, the king of the country that you're not aligned with uh he's firing on your ship and then somebody, ooh, what about the queen and i said oh that's mother nature and i created a table that we rolled a d20 on and he had some sort of squall or mire or whatever that would just either you know suck the wind out of your sails where you couldn't move the next turn or would push every ship within a certain range a certain direction a certain amount um to screw up where you're going <clears throat> so there are a lot of really cool things you can do with that to to make it that much more interesting and less of a um mechanical okay my turn i'm going to move my all my ships fire on your ships your turn you know go back and forth like that yeah absolutely and yeah, there's a ton of stuff at the the files section for the game page at Board Game Geek is chock full of awesome stuff. I've only oh, I've only used like a tiny percentage of it, and I've played a ton Ooh. of games. So and wind wind is fun to experiment with too. It's pretty basic. Just get like a compass, and then you can roll uh, d6 to see where yeah. the wind, if the wind changes direction each turn. I used that this year in a game uh, a few months ago, and it was it was fun to revisit without a doubt. We tried. Um... We we tried it rolling a D10, yeah. Having the direction of the wind be the direction it's pointing in, and then having the the amount it affected ships based on the the level of wind, yep. And that was a cool way to do it too. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, there's so many house rules. It's just yeah, awesome. I, I love I, how customizable it, it is because it's. I, it's I always love that game. Yeah. This is something that I'm always going to have a, a really really warm spot in my heart for. Exactly. Yeah, because the game's already customizable out of the packs because you can build all sorts of fleets and crew. The combinations are pretty much endless, and then you lay yeah. you le uh, layer house rules on top of the existing rules, and it just gets totally crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, but in a fun way. So. Yeah, absolutely. So the next one we already answered how the change of rules arbitrators work, but uh, I do see a note there that I wrote. Um, 
So Wolf, it says he came aboard around September 2006, according to Wolf. Okay. So, yeah. So about halfway through the game's life of sorts. So, yep. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yep. I, 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 you know, the funny thing is it wasn't supposed to last that long. It was only supposed to last for four cents. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, I talked um, with Mike Selinker and he talked about how, or maybe it was James Ernest, one of them said that, you know, going beyond one was like a pleasant surprise that how, how well it sold and whatnot. So, and then it just yeah. kept going and going. Well, I think I think the the most interesting uh, conversation I had meeting I had with uh, people at WizKids had to do um, with uh, how, how can I word this? So with HeroClix, you have the tournament play, and there's a reason why there's organized play. It's not to make all you guys happy. It's so that they can gauge how people are interacting with the product. Yep. That's really long and short of it is they they gauge how the game's doing based on the number of players that are showing up at different events. So when Pirates first came out, there was no organized play. Mm-hmm. It was just uh, yeah, there's some stuff. <clears throat> and so it was selling. You couldn't find it anywhere for the first two or three sets. It was very hard to find when it would first you know the the first uh, run, print run. It was very difficult to find this stuff. Yep. And uh, I think it was probably the second set. I don't remember what it was called, but they asked me. Uh, they, uh, it was a very strange com- uh, call. They, they said, uh, what's going on with pirates? And I said, what do you mean? And they said, well, what's going on with it? Are people playing it? And I said, mm, I, I can go check. I mean, it's selling out everywhere. And so I started going into stores and asking if they carry it, uh, whether or not. Uh, well, how much they carry, how much they buy. And without a doubt, almost every single store I went into said, oh, yeah, we get it, and it sells out immediately. <laughs> and I looked around, and I said, when do you guys play? And he said, we don't. I said, what do you mean? <laughs> well, I mean, what happens? And he said, well, they play in between Heroclix matches, and they play between Mechworth matches, and they just kind of hang out and play sometimes. But usually they just take it home and play it home. <clears throat> and so that phone call I had... Um, I think uh, it was uh, might have been Mike Selinker, uh, Mike Mulvihill, Jordan, and a couple other people. They wanted to know why nobody was playing in stores or in events or anything like that, and where the product was going. And it was going to like every store had like four or six people who were buying everything. <laughs> they buy like a case or a box and leave nothing for the new people who don't know what it is. You know? Yeah. And. <clears throat> <clears throat> it was a really strange uh you know thing that they didn't know what was going on with the product you know they, they could see numbers but it wasn't they had no way to track it and that was kind of uh and i said you know well maybe you should come up with some ship things and you know give some stores or whatever and that didn't help out either i don't think it just people don't want to play in tournaments in stores huh. conventions we we didn't get a lot of people at conventions either huh. interesting i mean i think uh, well at, beyond the first event <clears throat> i think we had oh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 100 people uh for the first event at the convention i think it was gen con might have been uh no i don't think it was gen con i think it was origins 
it wasn't a it wasn't a normal event. <clears throat> what what they did was uh, in your bag of goodies you get for the convention, you got some packs of pirates and some gold coins. They were out of another game, but you could use these gold coins. I could come over to you and say, "Hey, do you want to play a game of pirates for one of your gold coins?" And you say, "Yeah," and then we play, and I'd collect your gold coin. And then uh, at the end of the weekend, there was a big event. You had to bring, I think it was 100 points of gold, uh, you know, the little plastic gold coins. Yeah. And uh, that was your entry. And then you just took all of those plastic big coins, the, the ones that look like gold doubloons, and you just played with other players for them. Yeah. Just open play. And the, the price support wasn't something like there was no first place. There was no second place. It was a, a big auction that we had at the, after the tournament was over or after the event was over. And we auctioned off all this really cool merch, um, signed cards. Uh, the big thing that went was a, a huge, uh, had to be almost two and a half feet long, a big pirate ship, a wooden pirate ship with, you know, uh, real sails and all the, rigging and cannons and all the whole nine yards um, but so the auction would happen and you could bid on it with those plastic coins that you uh you won the, yeah. the gold room ones and what happened was people were being very piratey they were just paying people for coins or <laughs> outright stealing them or otherwise you know getting them hooker by crook and uh it was interesting there was a group i'd call it a consortium of <laughs> I don't know, about six to eight players who said, all right, we're going to all get our stuff together. We're going to buy that and take it into our store, blah, blah, blah. And there was another guy, a uh, very good friend of mine. He either paid people for their coins or beat them for the coins or traded stuff for the coins. And he wanted to get in that ship. And uh, his friend was with him. Uh, I think it was his wife's friend. She said, uh, what are you going to do with that thing? He's all and he kind of thought about it. And I could see in his eyes, like, oh, she's never going to let me bring this home. <laughs> but it's still on his mantle. So nice. Uh, it was very cool. But um, yeah, I definitely. The most people I ever had uh, otherwise was maybe 32 players. Okay. Which isn't, it, which isn't a minor amount. But oh, at the convention, I, I always hoped it would get to like 64 or, or another big 100-player tournament. It never did. Most yeah. of them were like eight players at a time per event uh maybe 16 uh on average possibly yeah yeah i've definitely heard about that event it sounds familiar i think one of them i don't know if it was the same one one of them was called black hearts wager i believe um, yeah i think that was it yeah yeah, yeah. i almost <coughs> i was gonna ask you if the coins were metal uh but it must have been a different event it was one of the no, no, no. They, they, uh i'm trying to remember if those ones were metal yeah i think they were yeah, because um, I, yeah. I remember now the ones that they gave you in your pouch were plastic and somebody went out and bought the game they came from or bought them in like a bulk bag at like a party store or something like that <laughs> and kind of flooded the market. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So and, and people were complaining to me about these things and I just kind of go, ah, pirate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, was you know, about I, th I thought this is this is great the way it's happening because this is exactly what pirates would do. So yeah, yeah, I was yeah. I was about yeah. to say at that event, it sounded like uh, 
from Hearts of the Caribbean, Jack says, uh, take what you can, give nothing back when he's talking with Gibbs. And, uh, yeah. or they both say it basically. Um, yeah, that, that is perfect. I know I've thought about that before. It's like this weird, since the game is all about pirates, it's like this weird justification to act a little bit shady when you're doing this sort yeah, of thing. It, like, and, and, it's funny though. And, and in tournaments, I would, I would often <laughs> use that if I didn't really have a good answer or, uh, Oh, let's see. I'm trying to remember if there was one particular thing that would come up. I can't think of anything offhand, but I have used that as my out if I wasn't sure how to fix it or otherwise, uh, you know, some, some things you can't fix on the spot. If everybody's playing by the same rules and it's already happened someplace else on another table, you can't change the rule after that. Yeah. So at that point, you kind of have to explain to them, well, you know, we already did it over here, so we're going to allow it, blah, blah, blah. Instead, I just say pirate and, <laughs> and say, you know, we're fine with it. And yeah. You know, most of the time people were fine with that. I mean, most of the people who came to play in these events were there to have a good time. We had a few people who were ultra hyper competitive. Uh, but in general, it was just a great group of people. Yep. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I got on, I think it was on eBay. I, a handful of years ago, I bought a metal coin that was described as being from either Gen Con 2004 or 2005, I believe. And, uh, mm -hmm. and yeah, it was cool to get like a piece of art CSG history, even if it was just a piece of stuff from something else unrelated, but yeah, it did, cool. it did, uh, there, I, I can't remember the name of the game. It's a piratey game. Uh, not a very good one. It was okay, but it had, that's where those, that's where those gold coins came from. Yep. And they're cool to have. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't have any more of them. I wish I did. I, like yep. those I gave away as prizes in our events. Uh-huh. They have yep yeah i'm going deep into my pictures archive on my computer um okay so that's something else but anyway i think at one of the one of those auctions had like a, either a ship that was signed by the game designers like mike selinker and others or some other merch that was like signed by them stuff like that yeah yep. yeah there were um framed framed cards uh that had signatures by the artist and or the designers and um then sextons and uh you know <laughs> imitation guns uh there was probably a sword or two there were some really cool things you know it was all very uh, nautical themed and, and just a lot of fun the whole event was great yep awesome uh one of the funniest things that happened um so we said 100 points of um gold we thought, I'm not going to count it. Are you going to count it? I don't want to count it. So we got a scale. And that didn't work because some people were smart and brought uh, a bunch of big point coins. And some people brought all their one point coins. And it's hard to, you know, weigh that. So yeah. after, I don't know, 20 or 30 people, we just said, yeah, that's enough. And threw it into a big box. And <laughs> We had a huge box full of those coins. Yeah, yeah. Now I've got like one of the smallish tins that's chock full of the plastic coins, and then but then yeah. I've got a ton of generic crew cards with the coins still in them, so I could fill another oh. couple tins with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had several cards full. Yeah, yeah. Other than so that's one of the that was one of the best parts about the game is you could flat pack it. Yeah, yeah. That was crazy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah to, get, awesome. to get that amount of merchandise in one pack that's only three ninety nine MSRP, 
and then it kind of explodes onto your table as 3D ships and coins <coughs> and islands. It is pretty wild. And the little tiny rule books, of course. Yeah. There were no shortage of people who bought them specifically to build the ships and put them on their shelves. Yeah. Never touched the game. People still do that. Yeah, there's definitely yeah. collectors that don't play at all. That just oh, no, I've, I've seen I've seen uh, collections in people's houses that number in you know two or three thousand ships, several of the same ones, just wall to wall. And wow, it's like wow. Yeah, and they don't play at all. They have no interest in playing. They just like building the little ships. Yep. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't have that many, but that's like cool. It's cool to display them. They look, yeah. a lot of them are relatively accurate to, you know, Age of Sail stuff. So, and that's one of my favorite topics in history. So that's part of the reason I love the game. But yeah, yeah. I, I just, it's a, uh, pirates are fun. Yeah. Pirates are always fun. <laughs> um, are those people, those weren't like WizKids employees that had like the wall to wall ships, right? Were no, 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 no. These are just that? collectors. These are just people yeah. who happen to love piratey stuff that I happen to know. Yeah. Um, so it's not even like uh, or it, something might come up in a conversation where my wife would tell somebody, oh, yeah, Tony worked on a game about pirates. And then I get into discussion with that uh, that woman's husband or something, find out he's got this big collection. And, uh, you know, who knew that I knew this person who had ships from a game that I helped develop um, into what it became. And then he has no interest in the game at all. <laughs> Even after that, I thought, do you want to play with him? Nah. He had no interest. Is not a gamer in any way, shape, or form. Kind of like, oh, man, that sucks. But this would be a great battle. <laughs> yeah, really? Oh, my God. Yeah, 3,000 ships. That's yeah. absurd. Oh, man. Yeah, that's too bad. I've never but quite the, fully understood that, but, I mean, they do look really awesome, even if you don't use they them. They do, but, I mean, after you have several the same one, though, it's kind of compulsive at that point. Yeah. I mean, I, to that, Even up through that time, he was still buying them and putting them together. He, he just liked building the ships. Yeah. And he put it up there, and so all of his one-mass ships are in one shelf, and then another shelf had this two-mass and three-mass, and then the big ones and... Yep. <clears throat> I mean, why do you need more than two, three, or four of those ships? I mean, he had dozens of Bauchuan kind of wow. size ships. Yeah, it's a big wall of them. Like, uh, okay. Yeah, and that gets expensive too, because that you had to like redeem packs of South China Seas or whatever yeah. to get them. Mm -hmm. That'd be a lot of packs yeah. bought. <laughs> I I gave him a lot. Um, okay. After I after I saw that, I I still gave him a bunch of cards. Mm -hmm. uh, think you know I I they were. Oh, that that was one of my uh, downfalls is having too much pirate stuff. Probably that's all right though. I, I mean, I it is for yeah, someone I who mean, worked yeah. on it, especially. Yeah, I mean, I had uh, boxes and boxes and boxes of un, you know unopened. There weren't packs. They were just the uh, I guess you call it a master set. Oh, uh -huh. one of everything. Yeah, factory set. Yep. <clears throat> factory sets. Yep. Um, I I'm not even quite sure why. Mike kept sending them to me, but I every other week I get another one, and I just I, I had dozens of these boxes. Oh my god! Of the same of the same um, release, like Pirates of Spanish Main. Like, oh yeah, do, do you need one of these? Like, Not really, but you can send it. You send me two, and so I have two. There you go, two master sets on top of the five I already have. Wow, and, you know, that is absolutely. So but I was like everybody's favorite person in our local game store community because I'd show up and give everybody a lot of stuff. Wow, that is awesome. Yeah, you're like a Santa Claus figure at the store. Kind of. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That is really cool, though. 
Yeah, you could make a pretty penny on those nowadays on eBay and whatnot. Probably. I, I, I did. Um, I, I think I, I've already told you I, I don't have any more at all, zero. Yeah. Uh, when I moved my store from Waynesboro to Hagerstown, I really wanted to pare down all of the, uh, oh, I'm going to call it junk. Uh, it's not junk, but, you know, it, it doesn't belong in my game store because I'm not selling it. So it was my stuff, and I just needed to get rid of it. So I found the people who were helping me that liked pirates already and said, you know, that's what I would give them. I give them like, you know, two or three master sets or, you know, big binders full of, you know, that this is a pirate Spanish main set if you want it. Yep. And they loved it. You know, once we got moved in, they all played for days. Nice. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So they other than have it, able to share it. Yeah. Other than what you've already talked about, uh, what are some of your other favorite memories of Pirate CSG overall? Uh, probably just demoing it for people at the conventions. Um, that that was just so much. That I I love that part of it. Um, I don't. I can't say there's any one part of the game itself I loved. I I, I love moving the ships. I mean that that was one of the coolest mechanisms in in a miniatures game I've ever seen. Yep. Using the card as a, a measurement tool, you know, who who would have thunk? Yep. Yeah, that's uh, really cool. I remember there was there was one thing um, I it had to do. I think with cannon fire and you know that die on the mast, and I started trying to come make it more complex. And or this is before it was released. And I said, what do you think of this? And I started coming up with all these crazy special die rolls and things. And, and Mike thought about it and he just said, nah, we'll just use a D6. And I thought, but, and he just kind of looked at me and he said, you know, if it isn't broke, don't fix it. You know, it works already that way. Oh, I guess so. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I love the simplicity of it. That really, that's what it, really draws me to that game to share with other people is i can share that with a five-year-old i can share that with a you know 60 year old and they're going to understand it and be able to play it whether they like it or not that's a whole different thing but um they will have no problems with understanding the game yep awesome yeah mike zellinker talked about how demoing the game and just hearing from the fans was one of one of his favorite parts about it too yeah yeah Yep. It, was, it was a neat community. I, and I, <clears throat> I dare say it was a different community from any of the other games. Heroclix and Mech Warrior and Mage Knight, um, those, while, while their communities are fine and they're fun people, um, they're not always in it for fun, if yep. you know what I mean. They're, they're, it's all about, you know, how can I min max this whole build of three or four pieces and, you know, win tournaments? Yeah. As opposed to what what is cool, you know, and what can I come up with that's fresh and unique and only mine. Yep. Yeah, that makes so sense. That's, that's the thing I loved about it. Just the and the fact, you know, when I had events at my store, I even had four year olds playing, and, and not not that they're good or anything, but they enjoy it. There's one little girl. Her name was Lucy. <clears throat> it's amazing that she's, you know, just about now. Uh, she's going on 16 or 17 years old, I guess. A uh, totally different young woman than she was with you know, missing a tooth. And um, she only she only really wanted to play because her older brother played. 
but over time he kind of lost track of it and didn't want to play and then she would still come in you know when she was five and six years old she still wanted to play even yeah. though her brother wasn't playing anymore so i thought it was awesome yeah yeah that's really cool yeah, yeah a lot of people get into it via family and siblings and stuff like that and now mm-hmm. it's like a whole new generation of potential pirates psg fans um yeah time has someone's got to buy the rights to it and reprint yeah. the old sets and oh, all yeah. the rest of it I, I, no, I really don't think it would matter. If the packs cost six or seven dollars. People would still play. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yep. Uh, so. Do you remember any kind of prototypes that were around before Spanish Main came out in two thousand four or sometime around that time? Prototypes? You mean of the three D ships? Yeah, that. I didn't the see anything really. Oh, okay. No, I, I, all I got to play with is, is trading card kind of things it was yeah. really hard for me to grasp what they were talking about <laughs> yeah that makes sense <laughs> you know it's gonna be a 3d model and i said but it's on a card <laughs> and they said well you know those little cards that you put together little dinosaurs and i knew what they were talking about but i didn't see how that could become a ship yeah because those those little models you don't bend anything you just kind of they're they're flat yeah the z cards yeah yeah the 3d cards they're they don't you don't bend anything to get into shape though and now we have these pieces that look like ships because they're, you know, they're they're bowed along the sides and they look awesome. Uh, and just there's nothing like that. Even I, I don't know that the game would work if it didn't have that aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if it were if it were just a a booster pack like a WizKids HeroClix booster pack, and you open it up and you got a plastic ship, yeah, okay, they're cool. But I think putting them together was half the fun. Yep. And, and one of the things we used to do at, at conventions to show, because some people are like, oh, that looks so brittle. You know, you could throw it over your shoulder and let it hit the ground and say, no, see, it's not brittle. It's not going to break. I agree. Um, some of the people, yeah, that's one, that's probably the biggest complaint. Uh, the brittleness and the fragility is probably the biggest complaint I've heard from people's like least favorite aspect about the game. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a lot of it, a lot of it comes down to experience. Like I've built probably around 800 wow. shifts total or more. And uh, and now I have no problem. But, yeah, when people are starting out, sometimes it's tough not yeah. to break mass once in a while, things like that. So it's kind if of you this don't weird... know how to wiggle them in. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. Yeah, it's this weird kind of disparity between um, they're actually I feel like they're almost as strong as they could be for how thin the plastic is. But then people still, you know, find them fragile. And, yeah, I've dropped ships from, like you know, six feet up and uh, they don't break on the floor. So, yeah. One of the weird things that happened, at least in one print run, if not uh, a couple different sets, um, I was talking with one of the art, the layout artists who, who lays out the cards. Um, you know, you're using it like a CAD program to do this. So you have very specific uh, widths, for, widths for those holes to be punched uh, so that the card fits in there snug. And those holes either shrank or got bigger at the printer in China, you know, the company that would make them. Yeah. And it was, I was always kind of, I'm, I'm not a person to have any kind of um, conspiracy theories or whatever, but I thought it was awful weird that these numbers would get changed before final, you know, printing of these things. So there were several times, at least once or twice anyways, that uh, a whole shipment came in and were totally useless because, the holes were too big or too small. Oh. 
And yeah. I thought that was weird. I thought, how'd that happen? And the guy said, I don't know, because we sent him this file and it's, you know, to spec. I don't know. You know, they had to, they had to go in there and physically change numbers. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. weird. Yeah, I've noticed some sets are a little bit harder to put together the ships than others. Sometimes the slots yeah. are a little tight, but yeah. And once in a great while, I'll get a ship. El Neptuno was one recently for me where it's brand new, and then I punch the mass out, and uh, the mass just fell out when you tip when you flip the ship upside down in the air. All the mass just like fall out randomly. Oh, yeah. um, so it's almost impossible to play with because I a lot of times with five masters like that ship, I try to pick them up by the stern. Uh, gaff mast at the back and uh yeah. but if i try to do that it, the mast comes out and the ship just stays there i'm like oh well i guess not so but that's from crimson yeah, coast the second set and i've almost yeah i don't think i have any other ships from crimson coast that are that loose so it's just kind of yeah, a random it, one it's, it, it is kind of random hit or miss and i'm not sure what happens maybe the die gets um wore out possibly yeah you know the cutting die yep but we, we used to be before we would play in our events on weekends uh We'd run events on Saturdays and Sundays with all these young players. And uh, I had, I guess it was like a tune-up period where people could bring their stuff that they were having problems getting in or they wouldn't stay. Where if it was too tight, I would shave off with an X-Acto knife a little bit off the mast until it fit. You know, so I would would work on everybody's ship before we started. Kind of show them what I'm doing to make them work. And, uh, you know, they all figure it out eventually, but uh, they're still one of the coolest game pieces of any game I've ever come across. Yeah. Yeah, I love how you can uh, <clears throat> remove the mask to mark damage and stuff, because then I like to leave, take them out and leave them out, because uh, then you can have, like, debris on the ocean, which makes it look like a real naval battle. They just sail yeah. with all the debris and carnage and whatnot. So, yeah. When, when we'd have ships sink... Uh, we would remove one of the sides so that it would kind of be tipped on its side. Yep. Leave the last mast in, but on its side, it's like a, a wreck. Yeah, I like that, too. Yep. It just adds to the fun. Yeah. Yeah, I like that, too. Especially, you know, the real shipwrecks on the reefs. Um, usually when they sink, I remove them just so they don't get in the way when they're, you know, below the surface. But I still like that. And it's a, the type of thing where it goes back to the house rules where I've made custom shipwrecks where... I think I had a Duke from Crimson Coast where the laser cut or the, the die didn't punch all the way through on the ship's deck uh, on the, oh. you know, the first card. So to get it yeah. out, I had to like kind of like attack it basically uh, with like a utility knife just to get it out. And by that point it was ruined. So then I turned it into a custom shipwreck though, which is no. featured in a lot of my games. So I put it, I glued it to a reef piece and uh, it's fun because then you can put gold. I put some gold paint on the stern of the ship to show that like gold's like leaking out of the shipwreck and then I put coins on the reef. Yeah. And then ships, but then it's like a, it's kind of like a double-edged sword because then ships have to roll for reef damage to get to the gold on the shipwreck. So it's, it's a fun way. Even when the stuff comes in weird, you can still, you know, either use the pieces for like repairs, like an extra ship could be used as like spare masts or you can make custom shipwrecks. Um, Some people make custom ships where they actually, um, they use marker to like change the dies D sixes on the mass or they, they change yeah. the ship design and stuff like that. People have talked about using stickers over the artwork to make custom ships. So there's endless stuff you can do with like almost all aspects of the game. Um, yeah. We, we kind of did that with our RPG game, um, with respect to, I, and I'll, I'll again, I'll just uh, say a little bit about it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I started everybody, I, I, 
I killed off the big game because it was just getting out of hand. And I, I retooled it and said, you all have one, one mass ship and you're the captain. So I gave him a, a captain, a, a, basically a blank captain crew card that they put in their information and they could buy their stats uh, with a certain number of gold pieces. And then whatever they had left, they could put into uh, giving their ship extra stuff. And then they had to go explore to do all the rest of it, to build up their gold supply so that they could buy a bigger ship and hire that better gunman and this helmsman or whatever. And um, it was a really cool thing to start that way. But uh, yeah, having, having the cards that we could uh, customize was a really neat way to make the game just that much more expansive, not just, you know, Oh, so you got that really rare ship that nobody else has and it's way better. Um, you want that ship, you're going to have to pay for it basically yeah. with, you know, the gold points. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds exactly like a lot of the campaign games uh, that I've played where you spend gold that you get along the way for new ships and crew. So yeah, right. that's one of my favorite ways to play in general. A little bit more time esque. That's uh, a lot of my stuff came out of that. Yeah. More and up, upgrading your, your army and your, your characters. So yeah, oh, cool stuff. Yep, absolutely. Do you remember some of the weird promos that came out when you were still involved in the game? Um, there was one, like there was one uh, Donald Duck magazine from uh, in Scandinavia that had these special islands that you couldn't get anywhere else, for example, and they're still like super rare to this day. I never saw those or heard about those. Yeah, yeah. There's some weird stuff out there. Um, sure. and there's like, I, I, did, I did have a, a customer bring in, um, it was, I think it was only made for big box stores. Um, it was almost like a board game esque version of pirates. And it was, I couldn't find it anywhere. The, the place where he found it was at Ollie's, which okay. is like, a um, one of these, big lots kind of companies, you know, they, they buy out, you know, pallets of, of crap and they put it in their store. And he got this thing for, I don't know, three or four bucks, but it had like five ships and it had a roll up mat that you could play on. Um, it was yeah. pretty cool. That sounds like the uh, quest for Davy Jones gold board game. Maybe. It, it, yeah, I know it was very similar, but it wasn't that. It was okay. And I, but, you know, yeah, I've, I've seen some weird stuff, but, I mean, that might be the the most bizarre thing I had seen. It wasn't uh, – they had really dumbed down the rules a lot more than normal. Yeah. And so all I could think is that they were trying to go really, really, you know, push it out to, uh, I don't know, KB Toys maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I, I, you know, when you're doing this kind of work and you, you kind of – I wasn't in for the promos, but, you know, we would get one of everything. <clears throat> but I think promos like the ones you're talking about probably weren't even available to the WizKids personnel, really. Yeah. They, just, they were probably just given the rights to do it or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. So, that, you know, I missed out on a lot of stuff. I had some really cool uh, island pieces that people would make and, and send me. Um I, I probably still have those somewhere. Those those were really nice. Yep. Like wood base and foam rocks and everything and little lighthouses. Nice. Yeah, yeah I made some stuff. custom island. 
pretty fun to once you get to use them in games. And yeah, somebody actually, um, somebody from the community of Xanish Coder sixty six, he actually made some custom lighthouse rules uh, a couple of years ago, or maybe Ooh. in twenty eighteen. So so yeah, and I tried them out. Or it must have been yeah, it was at least two years ago because I tried them out in a twenty seventeen game. So yeah, it's just endless what you can do with it. It's awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to taking a peek at the community you have uh, more than I've had a chance to. Um, I'm so glad that you found me. Yeah. Uh, I had no idea that there was still a community. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually funny because I think the the person who, Jeremiah, he uh, he was the one who created the Lighthouse Rules. He was actually, uh, he was the one who asked me in the podcast thread on my site about trying to get some of the former WizKids employees and whatnot on the podcast and i already thought about that and kind of written down you know an idea about starting that but that was kind of what kicked me into gear in terms of that and that's it started this year with james Ernest. so so yeah he's actually the one to thank sort of to a degree for that um, and yeah i think your name was just i think sometimes in the past wolf uh, mentioned piranha um and then tony vigil um along with it as far back as miniature trading, which was the main site for pirate oh, CSG. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, but that closed down in July, July 1st this year. But anyway, so sad. That, yeah. Yep. And speaking of sad, um, did you know about the return to Savage Shore set that had been planned, uh, but not released? I don't know if you were, you were out of the game at that point though. Um, I, I knew I, I had, I knew it was a thing on the schedule. I didn't know anything about whether it was going to finally get done or not. Yeah. Um, they went long. Like I said, I think it was supposed to be three or four sets max. They had planned out, you know, there's a storyline behind the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they ever wrote, wrote it out and sold it or anything, but they did have a story and it was supposed to play out over those four sets. And then it was so, that was the thing. I mean, they didn't know what to do with it because, it's, it was selling like crazy, but they could, they, it wasn't selling like their other products. They didn't know what people were doing with it or why it was selling. Um, there were no metrics. Yeah. And, um, but after the fourth set, they said, well, I guess we'll do another couple. And then they started coming up with other stuff and they just kept, you know, steamrolling. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was good stuff though. I mean, I, I enjoyed it while I was there. I really liked having it in the store. If it came back out, I would, carry it you know day one for sure mm-hmm. yeah yeah i talked with uh jason michael on one of the podcasts who did a lot of the flavor text for the game and yeah oh, there cool. was, yeah there was there were lore storylines that would span multiple sets a lot of the named yeah. crew came back and had you know d- between two and four or five versions each so yeah there was a lot of fun continuity with the with the lore so and some people have expanded on that where they make they make even later versions of the same crew. Like Calico Cat might be in a custom set where she has brand new abilities. So and then people can kinda take the WizKids flavor text and then expand on that, extend the storyline, if you will, in their own little way. So yeah. Still one one name character for shit. No. That was Oh. Just for the links. I mean the linking rules get a little weird with that. Um, like some crew have multiple links like to a ship and then another crew or to multiple ships, but but not too often really. Yeah. 
I've made a lot of customs with links, but I don't usually do go too crazy with the with the links themselves. Usually. <laughs> yeah. So how do you, how did you feel about the game, quote unquote, sinking before Return to Savage Shores came out? If you were what? reading about you it. Uh, <laughs> you mean you mean in terms of it uh, just like, falling apart? Yeah, just just going out of print in 2008 in general. I, I, it was very sad. I mean, I didn't. I, like I said, I could sell that every day of the week if we if they gave it to us to sell. Yeah. Um. I. I. You know, I don't even need new sets. You can you can reprint Spanish Main all day long. I like that set a lot. Any one of those sets is fun to play with. So, um, you know, having all those you know Viking ships and Japanese junks and all all kinds of cool ships is just so much fun to play with um i i double the price i don't care i'll still sell it yeah nice. you know it's, i i know that for the, that 399 they it, it just was becoming not doable i'm pretty sure yeah yeah, yeah. it's bad yeah yeah especially, especially when you have people coming in saying do you have any more pirates in spanish main and you have to tell them no that's just uh ugh such a horrible feeling yeah <coughs> sucks. yeah people were getting um some boxes at walmart in like 2011 2012 i've heard about some people getting some at five below stores in yeah. past years but nowadays the physical packs you hear about people finding are almost always just at kind of like random thrift shops not like chain stores and then a, and then mm -hmm. conventions sometimes vendors actually have some at conventions oh yeah no i I've, I've seen them at conventions um I recently looked on eBay. There's a, uh, and I, I haven't actually pulled the trigger. I don't know why I haven't. I mean, it's not that expensive. $25, uh, free shipping, five packs, and you can get five packs of, um, oh, I don't know. He had four, four or five of the sets that you could buy from. And, um, I'm sure you could find it. It's just, you know, he hasn't fanned out five packs and, uh, you can just buy them in that, that way. Yeah. So. Ten dollar, uh, fifty dollars for ten packs. That's a lot of good ships. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this board game, somebody was asking in the in the YouTube live comments about this Pirates board game. Um, was it like a custom build of Pirate CSG where they did house rules, or was it something else? If you if you uh, yeah, remember, kind of. It, it wasn't. You didn't use the long and short. You moved on a grid. It was really dumb. Huh. But it, I mean, it had the ships though. Yeah. And it had the. Pirates of the Spanish Main logo, and it was a strange box, and it was um, just kind of a bizarre. Uh, there, there were a few weird products that WizKids did. Um, that, in fact, there were a couple that I found in stores, um, and I was a little bit annoyed that I didn't know about it. That um, I would, I would contact, you know, my contacts at WizKids and say, "What's this?" And even they didn't know about it sometimes. Like, oh, well, I think, you know, I'll, I'll find out. And then, you know, maybe um, Tiffany or somebody else would tell me, oh, yeah, yeah, that was a one-off project, you know, by a side company using our, you know, blah, blah, whatever. We're just testing the market at, at Walmart. <laughs> oh, okay. Hmm. You know, and it, it doesn't go beyond that because it doesn't test well or whatever. Um, some, some of the things were interesting, some of them weren't. Yeah. Interesting. I think that that one game board thing, it was a just a last ditch milk as much as you could out of it kind of thing. Okay. Huh. Like I said, though, it was a bad game in the box. It wasn't. It wasn't 
really pirates. Yeah. Not, not that we know it. Yeah, exactly. But you put them on a grid and it was kind of, um, yeah, not much to it. Not, not Nothing to write home about. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that sounds kind of like the 2012 version that NECA with kids came out with. Uh, the shuffling the shuffling the deck card game that they released in 2012, yeah. where they used like the yeah. Pirates of the Spanish Main logo, but then it wasn't. There was a completely different game. So I, I haven't even played it, but oh. no, I tr- I tried it uh, very briefly, and I don't even want to know. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, it was a letdown. I was yep. kind of hoping it was gonna be a collectible trading card game, and it was nothing like that. Yeah. Yeah, very seemed like a very half-hearted effort. Like I don't, I'm not totally sure what they were thinking with that, but whatever. Didn't want to. Well, I mean, I, one of one of the first pirate games I ever played uh, was Seven C trading card game. If yep. you don't know what that is, you got to go find it if you're a pirates type I've, fan. I've heard of it. Yep. It's a it's a cool game. Um, I wish there was a way to mash up that part. Some of those aspects with the constructible game, but um, I, you know, then I think like, well, Pirates of the Spanish Main as a game itself is a really, really good beer and pretzels game the way it is. Yeah. With the ability to add whatever you want, add whatever flavor you want by making it more complex or adding your house rules. That's the best thing about it. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Do you have a favorite ship type, such as like a submarine or a five-masted square rig ship, things like the five that? Five-masted ship, the basic five-mast ship, uh, yep. is nice. my favorite. Same here. Yeah, uh, I think for, for for me, I'm more. Uh, uh, I just like having a lot of guns and a lot of health, I guess. Yeah. So you know, big five-mast ships, uh, I can make it faster with certain crew, and that's fast enough for me. Um, there were there were some builds where people were using sloops to go all the way across the table in one turn. Ugh, I hated those kind of builds. Okay, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, but I, I think I, those were my favorites for a lot of reasons. One, they looked really cool on the table. Two, um, the, the characteristics were uh, more of my style of play. So, yeah, yeah, that's my. Yeah, I agree. I like Same multi-level. here. Multi-level, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I think you would dislike some of the competitive play aspects because uh, because yeah, there's a there's a ship from Pirates of the Caribbean called the High Peng, and with a captain and a helmsman, and then an extra action from from somewhere else, you can move LSLS doubled, so LSLS plus LSLS. Yeah, which moves so, you like the, the most... farthest distance you can move. So, yeah, right. It's crazy. Um... It's yeah. When you get those kind of builds, it's kind of like uh, you know that's not in the spirit of to me. It's not in the spirit of what the game's about. It's you've you've taken fun out of it and turned it into chess, kind of in a way. Uh, or just a you know, it doesn't look fun to watch. It doesn't look fun to play against. I don't think it would be fun to play either. You know, I yeah. I I, I would rather get into uh, battles where you have to fire at ships. Yeah. And that was a house rule that we implemented. Um, you couldn't just go get gold. You had to interact with other players. Uh, before you went to an island, you had to uh, confront another ship. Yep. So I got rid of a lot of those bills that were only about speed and no guns. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. 
Yeah, I've done something somewhat similar where instead of having the person with the most gold at the end of the game win the game, you have you do points in play. So you count up all the points that your fleet totals. Then that incentivizes people to try to capture enemy ships uh, to increase their total. Did the exact same thing. Nice. Gold was we turned gold into a tiebreaker for the most part. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And sometimes. Point, no, you go ahead. I, at one point, I got rid of those little gold coins altogether. Uh, so I, nothing was on the islands. You had to roll a die to see what you got. I had a table, and right. uh, I didn't have it filled in all the way. And one kid, he got to an island, and so I had him roll the d20, and he got a 20. And I was like, oh, that must be cool. And I didn't have anything written down yet for that. I didn't know how much to give him. Because I wasn't using the little gold coins. I was using little trinkets, little beads, and little it, – it was more about having cool stuff rather than points. Yeah. Because they didn't care about the points. They just wouldn't have, you know, a big treasure chest full of uh, little gold beads and silver beads and diamonds and rubies and things. And so he rolled his D20, got a 20, and I didn't have anything picked out yet, and all the kids were really excited. So I said, okay, you have to roll it again. He got another 20. And they got really excited. So I rolled, he, I had him roll it again. He got another 20. And for, I don't know why I bought this thing in the first place, but it was like a four inch diamond, you know, clear diamond acrylic thing. It was a 3D diamond. So I just go, here you go. Boom. I handed it to him. And he starts showing it off to all the other kids. And they're like all excited. <laughs> but um, that's what, that's really what started the whole RPG thing. Um, he came back the next week and he was still bragging about it. And so I told everybody that uh, the Queen of Spain's diamond was stolen and she wants it back and she wants the person who stole it captured. And they're like, well, what does that mean? And I said, well, he has it, so he must have stole it, so you need to capture him. <laughs> so they were all running after him all over the table. Nice. And he's like, can I just drop it in the water? I said, no, you can't drop it in the water. It'll just bounce back on your ship. And so, you know, basically I just taught him a lesson about showing off all his swag to everybody else, you know, in a, in a bad sportsman-like way. <laughs> but um, he spent the whole day hiding from everybody, running away, not doing anything but running, and everybody was after him. So, uh, I mean, there's so many fun things you can do with this game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's endless. Yeah, I would say sometimes the hyper-competitive builds can be fun, but usually only when you're playing against other super competitive fleets. Because like, <laughs> sure. and I had a lot of fun in uh, Vassal Tournament number two, Vassal's a way to play online using the Vassal module. And uh, yep. this was like 20, a lot, a lot of it was in 2017. So in tournament number two, we, we had basically the best fleets ever uh, that we could find at least pitted against each yeah. other. And eventually, the, I think the last four fleets almost all used the same strategy with like these really overpowered game pieces. It was still fun, but then by the end of it, we were ready to go back to our campaign games where we have like huge wars and stuff like that. So it's it can yeah. be fun for a while to do hyper competitive but eventually it does almost seem like a chess match because like you're waiting to see what the other person does with their hidden cove event which is really overpowered and then you're trying yeah. to like maximize your gold score by any means necessary so it can be fun but kind of gets to you after a long while so well maybe, maybe the worst way to play is a thousand point game <laughs> don't ever do that i haven't done that one yet I've done no, 500. We, I tried it at a convention, and I had eight people, so there were 8,000 points of ships at the table. Oh, my God. Uh, it, it, was, it wasn't even... Oh, it, was, it was dumb. That's what it was. <laughs> nobody, 
Nobody went for gold. They just went for killing each other. You know, and that's kind of what I was hoping is they interact, but they only interacted with the person standing right next to them. Yeah. Because you can't, you know, what are you going to do? You got somebody right next to you. Oh, I guess I'll shoot your ship. Yeah. So um, not a lot happened in the middle of the table. Yeah. That is crazy. I mean, those fleets would be so big that you wouldn't be able to interact with all the players because they'd be so far away, and you'd have to... Yeah. That's crazy. Oh, I think only one person had actual crew pieces. Oh. Because you know, all the ships, all the cards you have to have and everything you have to keep track of, it was like, he's like, oh, forget it. I'm just going to go with a whole bunch of big point ships and yeah. have 40 ships. That's it. That's all I want. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love the, the bigger, the better for me in terms of the games. But yeah. I played a handful or three um, games with five fleets of 500 points each in like 2011, 2012, and it was pretty fun. Um, the the second two couldn't match the first though. The first one was amazing. The gold scores were like, what was that? Two player game? No, nah, it was. I just played it by myself, but it was five okay. fleets, and then each fleet was 500 points. So it was like 2,500 total. Um, the first one was amazing because. Uh, the gold scores at the end were like 48, 45, 43 between the top three fleets. So it came down to the wire. It was really awesome. But anyway. Well, uh, it's not as fun when you have three people with 500 points or uh, like I said, you know, with, with three people with a thousand points piece or eight people with a thousand points piece. It's just not fun. You, you, first of all, it takes forever to move everything. Yeah. And then, you know, it, it just gets so loud and, and you don't even know if it's your turn anymore. So after a while, people just start going. You're like, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and move. Why not? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it becomes a nightmare. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not a good thing. Yeah. I mean, I like it because... Yeah. Zarek's and I like it because uh, the games are really <laughs> epic and they take a long time. But that's kind of where you have to have a lot of... You have to really spend a lot of time playing it. So that's not like a day game. That's like a weeks-long campaign game where you play like one or two hours a day and then you come back a day or two later, stuff like that. So that's when it can become well, more the cool thing is, And this is on Vassal you're talking about, right? Partly on Vassal. We've both done okay. um, physical campaign games. But yeah, on Vassal, it's awesome because, yeah, you can save the game and then come back yep. a month later. So yeah, mm -hmm. Vassal's amazing. And then you don't have to okay. like bend over and like move like, you know, 50 ships every turn per faction or whatever. So yeah. it's, physically, it's a lot easier because you're just sitting in a chair rather than on a floor or reaching over a table for like an hour or two hours straight. So, you know, and knocking stuff yeah. over stuff like that. So yeah, Vassal, Vassal is really optimized campaign game play. And Xerix and I have been involved in all three, now four. We have a fourth campaign game, CG4, going on right now. Oh, cool. um, and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, Vassal campaign game one is, is amazing. Um, I can send you the link to that. I mean, it takes a long time to read the battle reports. I'm rereading it right now. But it kind of... It's just, oh, it's just so epic. I just love the big epic stuff. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Do you have a least favorite ship type? Uh, actually, probably the junks. Okay. Yep. I just, eh, I don't know. I wanted to like them. I, uh, no, nah, I don't. I, and I couldn't even tell you why. Really, I just don't. Yeah. I yeah. Just, there's. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Actually, you know, I'm going to change my my favorite ships to the the Norse ships. Okay. Those models one of my favorites mm -hmm. I, I mean I, I have a real soft spot for the five five mast you know typical five mast ship I, I and I that probably is my favorite favorite but I second favorite would be the the Norse ships I, I just love the the looks of those but the the Japanese ones I just didn't care for yeah I wish I did no 
Yeah, I like them in general. I like the six and ten mass adjuncts, the big ones. Those are awesome um, and fun to use. But the two mass adjuncts from Ocean's Edge are wicked hard to put together. That's one yeah, reason well, people I, don't like some of the junks. I think that's why I don't like them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. To be honest, I, I you know you mentioned that. I think those were the the ones that uh you know most of the players would bring them up to me. Can you put this together for me? And I have to do it. And yeah, it, my fingers would be really sore afterwards. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 The Ocean's Edge, uh, especially OE uh, two mass adjuncts, getting trying to get the basically the quarter deck or the extra deck uh, mm-hmm. the stern of the ship onto those the little the little slots um yeah that are suspended they're not connected to the deck below so right. it's so easy to break them and then the mass sometimes don't want to fit so yeah oh and yeah. then you have to I, curve I, at the bow of the ship you have to curve the deck up to fit the whole right. pieces together yeah <laughs> yeah it's hard to curve that tiny little piece yeah <clears throat> i i hadn't tried it i've been thinking about it there, there may be a way you could kind of warm it up, possibly, to make it bend a little bit easier. I oh, think maybe in warm water just to kind of soften it a little. Yeah, possibly. Yep. And then just drop it into cold water and it'll kind of shock it into place, possibly. But Interesting. Um, I never did it. I mean, well, at the store, it's not like I had hot water just sitting there. So <laughs> I, you know, if I was at home, I could try it if I had stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, usually I just move my fingers along it and kind of keep kind of working it until it's the right, you know, angle that I want. So yeah. if you go too fast, it might look like a, almost looks like a crease or a bend rather than a nice, uh, mm-hmm. you know, curve. So anyway. Oh yeah. I've, I've ruined plenty of ships with slightly too much of a bend to get that white. Yes. Of a, uh, seam sort of. And like, Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, that's like that's getting into the nitty gritty details of like shipbuilding. I've noticed the one masted sloops are one of the ones you have to be careful with in terms of the hull curvature. Because if you curve them mm-hmm. too much, sometimes it'll stick out almost past the the deck of the ship. Yeah, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So yeah. You know. Well, and I, I actually got pretty good at fixing mass for people too. Yep. Uh, super glue and um, just uh, packing tape across the bottom and then cut it to fit and then you have to you, you do have to widen out the hole a little bit after, after that but mm-hmm. usually it works for a, at least a while yeah yeah it's I always usually... a horrible feeling when you're putting the ship together the first time and you break a mass it's like oh crap yeah yeah that was rough. gonna be such a fun one to use yeah <laughs> yeah i usually use tape to repair mass and then one thing that somebody i taught actually um he actually had a great tip this was somebody who was just learning pirates he had a great tip where if you break a mast at the very bottom of the base um you actually have room to take like an exacto or utility knife and cut like tiny triangles off that bottom part and then it'll probably be um skinny enough that cut part will be skinny enough to go back into the slot rather than being too wide and the mast will be a little bit shorter but that's like a quick fix that you can use if the mat if the break is way at the bottom it is a quick fix but you also know that it's not as tall as it's supposed to be (laughs) yeah (laughs) maybe nobody else does but you know yeah (laughs) yeah it's very minute difference but yeah yeah. no i i i think i've done that fix and kind of like oh yeah but it's still broke Mm -hmm. i apologize if these have essentially been answered but just for the sake of it you still play pirates nowadays and uh what is your collection like Yep. Yep. Uh, I haven't played in, gosh, since probably 
2009, 10, or 11 um, in the store. And my collection is zero. Not one single ship in my collection anymore. As I said, when we moved stores, I gave it all away to the people who helped move the store. Uh So uh, they got the the bounty that they had to harvest the bounty that uh was given to me by whiz kids and um that made them just so happy and i got uh you know I, I i made out huge on that deal the amount of work that was put into moving that store was not inconsequential <clears throat> um, i i threw away probably close to 500,000 Yu-Gi-Oh cards. I gave away, I want to say about 100,000 magic cards, you know, bulk. Um, and I, the pirate ships, I just, I didn't want to throw them away. And I certainly didn't want them to, I don't know. I, I, I could have sold them, I suppose on eBay or whatever. I just didn't, I felt like these people might like it better and not. So I made it as a gift to them and they, they loved it. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. That's really cool. So after, yep. after I'm going to go back and buy those pirate ships that I saw on eBay. Now that I've had this conversation, <laughs> I miss it. I do. Yeah, even not gonna just, lie. Yeah, even just as like a nostalgic display piece, it's just kind of a fun thing to look at on a desk. Yeah, and, yeah. If well, pirate, gonna, I mean, I look forward to playing it. You know, I'm going to crack open all those packs and play them. Yeah, nice. Love it. <laughs> if pirate CSG came back, would you want to return to it? I would, um, I would come back to it, uh, in a heartbeat, as long as it's, you know, sticks to its roots of beer and pretzel play, uh, with rules that are very malleable in a good way. Um, yeah, I would go back and play that again in a heartbeat. Uh-huh. It's like, like I said, I could sell that in my store, you know, every other person, that walks in, I could probably sell it to him. It's so easy and so inexpensive. Uh, and they're cool. I mean, they look neat. What kid doesn't want to put together a model of a ship? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I remember finding mine at like a, I think it was a five store. I think it was 2005 when Spanish Maine was out, probably very soon before Crimson Coast came out. And yeah, I remember I was hooked pretty quick. Got two packs, Spanish Maine, and, uh, it was awesome. Yeah, just the, the idea that you can buy one or two packs for three packs and have a decent group of ships to play with right there out of that um, and have fun with it. it it's You can't do that with a lot of games. Yeah. I think, I, I think five packs is, I, I think five packs is a good number for a draft. Yeah, agreed. Um, well, the good old days of 399. Yeah, exactly. I know. I feel like, uh, at least for me, that is sometimes, I mean, I'm pretty much just like pirates, but it, it could be a barrier to entry to people where, you know, a box board game could be 40 bucks, but, you know, packs of pirates, they could get three for $12 or that same 40 bucks could buy them 10 packs, which is 20 ships. So yeah, that price point is just awesome to even think about <laughs> for all the stuff. Yeah, well, that's, pack. I I use that all the time as a sales thing. Um, you know, yeah, they, you know, I always liken things to movies, you know, when families go out to movies or whatever, I'll explain to the dad or the mom, um, 
you know, they could buy each of the three kids two packs a piece and they'll have all these ships and uh, two or three ships and they get to build them and they get to play with them. And you open up a pack right in front of them, put the models together. And that usually is what sells it. Once they see the 3D model come out of that pack, um, it almost doesn't matter how good the game is. I mean, the kids are just hooked. And when you show them how to play, they think, that, oh, this is awesome. I get to sail a ship and fire cannons and get gold. Mm-hmm. It's just neat. I mean, there's no, no two ways about it. Yep. Yeah, it's just that classic lure of uh, the Age of Sail and like on the high seas and whatnot. Yeah. If you want to talk well, about it, uh, what are you doing now? Uh, I own a game store in Hagerstown, Maryland called Neverland Games. Uh, we've, we've been in business since 2008, and uh, our store has grown uh, from a 1,500-foot square-foot store to about 6,000 square feet. Nice. Uh, got a wonderful community, and... Um, you know, I'm, I'm just so lucky to have uh, such a wonderful group of people that call Neverland Games their home. You know, it's uh-huh. it's just really cool. Yep. And I, awesome. yeah, I can't get this kind of audience in many other venues. Uh, I've owned a bar before, um, and while I enjoyed my patronage, it just doesn't compare to the gaming community. Yep. Um, I think I think in a way most of us are introverts and otherwise awkward, and um, this is the place where people can be themselves and not feel out of place. Yep. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. <clears throat> Alrighty. Let's see. Where can people find you online? Uh, Facebook. Yep. <clears throat> um. Yeah. Please feel free to say hi. You can either. Uh, Find me by way of Neverland Games or uh, find me on Facebook. Uh, it's Tony V Hill V I G I L. Um, there's a couple of that. My dad has one. I'm the one with the handlebar mustache. Uh, but yeah, um, always happy to talk to people about pirates. And uh, like I said, I'm I'm so happy you got a hold of me because it's kind of re-sparked that desire to play something like that again. Yeah. Awesome. And get my, my RPG rules into a printable shape. Yeah. No, that's great to hear. Yeah, I've got the Neverland Games site up right now, and it reminds me of going to game stores as a kid, like as a little kid with pretty much no money, and just seeing the quantity of boxes. Because I was into Pokemon Yu-Gi-Oh! when I started yeah. getting into Pirates, and it's just... I'm seeing a few pictures on the site now, and it's just overwhelming to think about like the amount of product that gets moved. That the, yeah. the thing that would freak me out. Huh? Yeah, that's if I owned a game store, I think I'd get in trouble because I'd want to open all the Pokemon packs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh well. I uh, off topic. Uh, I did. I, I did a bad thing once. Um, I, I was thinking about buying a game store for my friend, and he went away for a couple weeks and left me in charge of it. And I was like, cool. And there was a game called Clout. I don't know if you remember that game. Um, there were like little poker chips that had. Uh, each poker chip was a, a unit in your army, and you threw them into the battlefield, and their range... Uh, it, the cool thing about the game was, if I was a, a better chip thrower than you, my range could be one inch, or one unit equals one inch, where yours could be like one unit equals four inches. So you have a... You could handicap it. Anyway, 
Um, it was a cool game. They had booster packs that had two poker chips in them. <clears throat> and the new set was coming out. And I was very excited about it. And I heard that the boxes were mapped. That the really good poker, the, the one that everybody wanted, the dragon chip, was like third down on the right side or something like that. And I saw all these boxes there. And I thought, I wonder if that's true. So I opened up one box and popped open that pack. And there it was. Yeah. $25. Yeah. I wonder if it's true in the next box. I did that one. And there it was. So I opened up all six boxes and opened up one pack in every box. And it was that one. So like, oh, crap. Now what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> so I had to buy it all because now I ruined all six boxes. Because almost immediately, once I opened the store, I had people waiting in line saying, I want to buy out of an unopened box. And I said, they're all open. <laughs> and I was like, what? I said, yeah, I opened them and I, I pulled out the dragon chips. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I, now I have to deal with it as the owner now. And so what we do is we shuffle the, the boxes. We'll take four boxes and shuffle everything and put, you know, the, the booster box quantity back in that box. But they're completely randomized that way. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> And it means that no bo- no one box is necessarily dead. But yeah. Um, yeah, opening packs can be a hazard. When you when you own a store, though, it becomes less of a hazard. Uh, it's kind of like owning a candy shop. Probably after a while, you don't want to eat more any more candy. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, you know, I see what like, you mean. Yeah, you see it every day. So, yeah. yeah, it's there. And, you know, I can I can do it whenever I want. And and anymore, I only open up booster packs. So I can make money off the expensive cards, you know, for our stock. Yeah. And so I don't even care what's on the cards anymore. I used to, I used to love opening magic packs and going through every single card, excuse me, every single card, seeing what they do, what's the, what's the price point or the cost of the card. uh, What is, um, what's the picture, what's the player text, ooh, pretty, all that stuff. And now all I care about is rare and is it worth money? Yeah. So that, that kind of, that part of gaming is gone for me in a way, you know, I hope there's a game that comes along that makes me feel that way again. But, you know, when you're on a store, it's all about making the money and not so much about the hobby, you know, that that comes secondary. You lose your hobby when you own the store. Yeah. 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 That's one thing I've worried about with like restarting pirates and whatnot, but, and yeah, I've thought about trying to get like, um, Unless we get some kind of time machine or some kind of like nostalgic VR type thing, I'll never know. You know, I'll never fully experience the joy of like opening my first Pirates packs. I kind of remember it, but you know, it's yeah, so far gone yeah. now that like I've memorized those ship stats and I've used them a bunch in games, and it's like um, I still love it, but it's it's not always the same. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, I and and that maybe if I had one thing to say about my experience working as the rules arbitrator for as long as I did. Um, I never had the nostalgia of opening packs yeah. because I had them all. So, you know, you, it's fun to open them still. You go, oh, cool. I did get the ship that I want for playing purposes or whatever. You know, I like building the five mass ships, but it wasn't the same as other people who can look at them. Oh, cool. This, this rule is neat. Or, you know, the, all that stuff is kind of, you know, didn't matter anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's like muted over time mm-hmm. through experience. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yeah. I've had similar as my collection has grown. 
I have most of the uncommon common and rare stuff in the game. Um, so like I look at a pack of Ocean's Edge and I basically know that there's nothing I can pull from that that'll be new right. for me. So so that makes it less tempting. But yeah, yeah. So that's kind of sad in a way, but it's still worth it because I've done a lot of great <coughs> trades with the community members over the over the years to build up my collection. So it's cool. cool. It's just a different kind of a different vibe than you know twenty. 11 2012 2013 when i was trading as much as possible and trying to get packs and stuff so that's kind of inevitable when you collect things for a long time so yeah well you might you might get a little bit of nostalgia back if you replace sealed yeah because yep. then then, you, then it doesn't matter i mean who cares if you already have the stuff you need them for that particular day and for that particular event Yep. so that's when you can kind of relish the opening of the pack and hoping you get something good that's going to be fun to play with today mm-hmm. Absolutely. Anything that you want to uh, promote or give a shout out to? Not at the moment, but um, uh, oh gosh, if you ever feel like putting together a uh, a pirates event at a convention and you want some help doing it, let me know. I'll I'll, I'll help if I can. Awesome, yeah, that's great. Yeah, to hear. Come up, come up some way of of getting some packs and running a sealed tournament or something would be so much fun in yeah. in a lot of ways. So. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like I said. I'm 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 glad you contacted me. I'm looking forward to being part of the community again in some form or fashion. I may not be visible in the sense that people will, oh yeah, that's Tony or that's Peron or whatever. But um, you know, I'll, I'll I'll get into it the way I can. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, and uh, cool. yeah, Wolf has made an account at my my site at pirateswithben.com, so he's on the forum there. He's actually still answering rules questions in the thread. He made there so that's really cool okay. he's still active answering questions so he's there um pretty much every week i would say uh at least right I'll, now i'll see if i can't throw him a curve yeah um but yeah <laughs> if you want to talk about um the rpg at all here at then feel free to um if you want uh oh you mean the one i, I was talking about yeah if you want uh don't know what i don't know what to really say about it. it's just something that kind of homebrewed out of playing with so many players at the table and uh I think it's something that a lot of people would really enjoy playing. Um, I, like I said, I, I want to kind of get it into a printable fashion that um, I would like to try to sell it actually. Yeah. Uh, so it's a, it's a lot of fun. It, it takes a lot of the aspects of, um, you know, it uses the card movement, the L plus S kind of movement. Uh, it doesn't have to, but it does. But I've thrown in a lot of those house rules that we talked about earlier to, you know, make it more interesting. It's not just about coming over there and saddling up to my ship and firing at me. You have to spot my ship. Those kind of things make it really interesting. And then having ports that aren't friendly to you or whatnot and, and using cards for um, uh, who goes when and having those face cards mean something different, you know, like Mother Nature giving you weather effects and sea drag and privateers and the, that's the jacks and then the kings you know would be the other countries that you know you just as as a group playing a multiplayer game <clears throat> you could just be the player on your left who controls the pirates or the, the the english ship that's next to your spanish ship and you just roll off you know mm-hmm. to see what happens um but i i made it i developed it in such a way that you never lose your ship uh you just run away with your tail between your legs and in a very beat up fashion and you're gonna have to spend time repairing your ship. 
but that's all part of the RPG aspect and uh, making sure nobody's just out of the game. Nice. So, yeah. yeah, it'll be it's cool. Yeah, once you finish it or whatever, um, yeah. there's def- I can definitely put it on the forum and whatnot because there's I would I would think there's pirate CSG fans that would probably get enjoyment out of it. Oh, for sure. Oh yeah. Nice. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I'll I'll make sure to be part of that and um, yep. hopefully you'll see that sooner than later. I I wouldn't say it'll be like tomorrow, but yeah, maybe within three to six months I'll have something that's uh oh. That I think is ready for viewing by other people. Uh-huh. You know, we're we're always our worst critics, but um, I don't want to put it out there until I know that it's, uh, it you know I, I I'm okay taking criticism for sure, but I'm all for that. I just want to make sure that most things are down. So, yeah. Yep, makes perfect sense. All right, cool. So the last part of the podcast, um, each person has the opportunity to ask a question of the day to the audience. So I'll let you think about if Ooh. you want to ask one, it's optional. And um, for mine, um, what is the most difficult rule situation you have come across while playing Pirate CSG? So that's a one I find really interesting because I actually do enjoy getting into the complex rules stuff. Mine would probably be a combination of abandoned crew along with the, the Holy Water UT, which is really wild. But anyway, the Pirate Code goes into yeah. detail on some of that craziness. Yeah, it's been so long. I, I wouldn't even know how to answer that right now because it's been so long since I've actually built a fleet or anything. Yep. <clears throat> I think if I had a, rule, or a question to ask, I would ask, uh, what's your favorite house rule? Yep. Awesome. I mean, I, I I always like listening to what people come up with, and and I am always amazed at how similar a lot of us think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I, I'm here talking about some of the stuff, and you're saying, <laughs> "Oh yeah, we've done something like that." And, you know, we all we all think these things, and um, I, I always find it interesting what people think is a great house rule. Yep. Nice. So, yeah. My on that be- note. Yeah. If for no other reason, I'm going to come check out that thread, see what people say. Yep. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah, I'll try to make a note of that. Um, <laughs> and yeah, mine would be uh, probably the two hits per mast rule, which was on some ships like El Corazado. But um, yeah. I just love how that one makes the game more realistic and also allows ships to come back um, after repairing in the same game. Because without that rule, yeah. a lot of ships just sink very quickly in battle, which is not realistic to the age of sail. And then they're done for the game. So that allows them to have more durability and it makes it more more of an age of sale themed game um than just like run and gun and the game's over which doesn't make a lot of sense so yeah one, <laughs> one thing we tried uh, it didn't work out great uh probably needed to be fine-tuned uh every ship had uh well whatever the cost of the whole ship including the crew that's how many points you had to think you, you had to hit it that many times basically yeah Nice. So it wasn't a matter of, uh, I mean, if you had a 30-point ship, for example, um, and you had five masks, each mask took six to remove. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty intense. So, so uh, yeah, it becomes much more of a, you know, more realistic slot fest, you know, a lot of back and forth, a lot of volleys. Yeah. Um, and that, that that's when it gets interesting, I think, when you have those kind of, I don't like the ones where it's just you come over there with your five mass ship and just take apart my three mass ship in one die roll. Like, Oh, okay. I guess that was it. Four shots. Done. Yeah. I know. And then your, your favorite ship <coughs> sunk without it getting into action, which is lame and makes right. you feel sad about so, the game. So, 
so that's that's why I like doing um, uh, concurrent die rolls. You know, well, you know, just because you hit you remove two of my mass, I still get to fire with them this round, kind of thing. So, you know, having having the battle happen simultaneously makes a lot more sense to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Nothing worse. Nothing worse than getting your ship destroyed on the first turn by somebody who just sails right across the table and destroys your ship. Exactly. With their first action. Yep. It's just a white, yeah, yuck. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Yeah, yeah, and I've had that happen many times, yeah. Mm-hmm. The worst is when you've got home islands that are close together, and then you don't know how aggressive your opponent will be. You go first, thinking, okay, maybe this will, maybe they won't attack me, hopefully it won't. And then I've had players just, like, brutally come over and attack my fleet which is totally fair and fine but um sometimes yeah. it came it makes the rest of the game kind of boring when you take out all yep. of an opponent's gunships and then they can't do much the rest of the way but, right yeah and i know that that's that's uh that's a strategy yep. but that doesn't mean i like that kind of strategy yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yep cool. thanks yeah thanks so much again for coming on this was an awesome well, talk. thanks for having me that was a lot of fun yeah and um i look forward to seeing what else comes out um yep. On your on your site, I'm gonna be at, at bare minimum lurking, but I'll yep. probably, you know, pipe up here and there. Yeah, hopefully make an account, talk to wolves, stuff like that. Get some new rules questions going. Maybe. I will. Yeah, will do. sounds awesome. All right, thanks cool. again, everybody. Like for I said, I'm definitely gonna. I, I do. Yeah, I do want to see what people's favorite house rules are, though. That that that'd be very interesting to me. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Thanks everybody again for listening, and uh, we'll be back later with more podcasts.